Let's take your Bibles, if you have it there, if you turn to Matthew chapter number 14. It is good to be in church tonight. And uh, Matthew chapter number 14, page number 1018 in your old Schofield reference Bible. We sure hope that you had a good Christmas. I don't know about you, but I sure did. And, uh, you know, I hope you weren't like this one family. Um, there was a, a lady, and um, this was back in the time of Winston Churchill. And, you know, maybe, you know, sometimes uh, husband and wives, they get into little spats here and there. And there was this one really content cankerous lady and she went up to Winston Churchill and she said and, and this was during the time when Winston Churchill was doing different leadership things and kind of you know in her eyes being a little bit uh, you know forceful with the decisions and just taking leadership of the situation and so this lady went up to Winston Churchill and said uh, Mr. Churchill she said you know if I was your wife I'd give you arsenic and he looked back at her he said if I was your husband I'd drink it so uh, hopefully that didn't have that conversation didn't happen at your house over this Christmas time. But let's be real. Sometimes Christmases and more time together can be more more time fighting. I heard one preacher talk about the whole COVID thing and how we were all together a lot more. And this one preacher was saying he said, you know, I think sometimes marriages were not designed for us to be together 24/7. How many? Of you, well, I better not ask for a raise of hands on that one. Might get somebody in trouble. But anyway, but uh, thank you for being in church tonight. It's good to see you back. What a good message we heard this morning. And uh, Christmas is over. Now what? What a good, good message that was. And the uh, Lord gave us a good, good service this morning. Well, I want to preach to you a little bit about something that just really came to me about a month or so ago in my own personal Bible reading. So I want you to, for a minute, just imagine that you're sitting with me in my family living room. We have a little fireplace and commonly where I'll read my Bible is just right there. I'll lay down on, we have a, a plush little rug there and I lay down and I try to read the Bible each day and get a little something from it and I don't typically try to read the Bible to get a message out of it but I try to just read it so that I might personally be helped and I was helped about a month ago I'm, I'm helped you know more frequently than that but this one just particularly jumped out at me and I want to just kind of share that with you so as we approach the new year I want to encourage you to read the Bible I want to encourage you to get a plan determined in the year 2022 that I'm going to read the Bible through. If you've never done that, boy, I sure would encourage you to do that. But then I've done it several times. But this past, uh, I guess it would have been 2020, right around this time or so last year, I determined that I was going to read the Bible, but not just read it through, but I was going to read it chronologically. And you can get these different Bible reading plans out there that, that tell you how to read through the Bible chronologically. And I have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. But one of the main areas that I really, really enjoyed about it was when I got to the Gospels, boy, it just meshes it all together. You might read in, in one day, you might read three different passages, maybe Mark, Matthew, Mark, and then and John, and it'll be the same event the same parable, and it'll all mesh together, and you can kind of, it helps you to kind of connect the dots. I don't know about you, but several times when I've read the Bible straight through, I might read a parable or an event in maybe Matthew, and then maybe a month later, I read that same parable in Mark, and I think, wait a minute, did I read that somewhere else before? Well, yeah, because it was in a different book of the Bible, but when you read it chronologically, boy, it's so neat to see. And so as I was doing this, this message just came to me, so I just kind of want to share that with you. And the neat thing about the God 
Gospels are, if you take Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, they're, they're, they're men of God that were used by the Holy Spirit to write the Word of God. We still do believe the, the, the Bible is the inspired Word of God, right? And we believe that's in an errant. We believe that's infallible. And, but it was written by God using uh, human authors. And so we see where Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you think about the Gospels this way, the Gospels are written by these four men. And if you think about it, if you were to take four different men, let's say we took four men on the front row here, and we put them all on a corner, four different corners, and there was an accident that happened. Each, each one of those men, as they saw the accident, would have kind of a different viewpoint of it. Maybe the way the sun was set, and maybe the way this person was on the corner, or the way the cars were coming. They'd all have a different vantage point, but they would all tell the same story. That's how the Gospels are. And so when I read the Bible, I try not to read it to get messages personally out of it, but, I mean, not, not for a message, but to personally get help from the Word of God. And so as we go to Matthew chapter number 14, we're going to look at the story here, the event of the death of John the Baptist. And a little bit of background about John the Baptist before I read the scripture. But we all know that John the Baptist, he was the forerunner to the Lord Jesus Christ. He prepared the way of the Lord. And you think about preparation and preparing the word of the Lord, I think about my mind automatically went to all these roads out here. You know, they're designing these roads and they're building these roads around our church, church building here and our property and everything. But uh, someone has to go in. They just don't just pop up just like that. But somebody has to prepare those roads. Somebody has to come and they come out with the survey equipment. And they survey where they're going to lay out the on-ramp and the off-ramp and the, the throughway and all that. And they, they maybe, maybe they have to dig up all the dirt or maybe they have to come in with excavators, and they lay down more dirt, and they prepare the way before that asphalt comes in and before that concrete comes in. And so much like that, John the Baptist was the forerunner to Christ. He kind of prepared the way. And may I say, the Lord Jesus Christ didn't need a preparer, but John the Baptist was a preparer. He just kind of helped the situation along. And so John the Baptist, he was described as someone preaching repentance in the desert. It appears that John the Baptist was all business. I mean, they, the Bible talks about him and how he was, uh, uh, he, his diet was locusts and wild honey. Any of you eat locust and wild honey for Christmas? Uh, maybe most of us, we probably had turkey or beef or chicken. I mean, I mean, goodness gracious, even for Christmas, there, we have hawks around our house where we live. And they even tried to get a chicken. They tried to come down and snatch one of my chickens and broke its neck and all that. But, uh, but uh, John the Baptist had locust and wild honey. They said he, he, he wore clothes of camel hair. He had a leather belt. And he, but what he did is he publicly prepared the way of the Lord. He publicly proclaimed that, hey, this Christ that is going to come... He's going to be the, the Christ child. He's going to be the Messiah. He's going to be the deliverer. And so his mother was Elizabeth, and it's believed that he was the sister of Mary. And so if he was the sister of Mary, that would have made Jesus and John the Baptist cousins. And so they were, there was a little bit of relationship there. Now, don't get nervous at what I'm about to say. I'll explain it. But both Jesus and John the Baptist had miraculous conceptions. 
You say, whoa, Brother Mark, watch what you're saying. I, I know what I'm saying. I know I'm treading on, on uh, sacred ground there. But because we just passed through the Christmas time, we know that why Jesus' birth was really the miracle of all miracles, to be virgin born. It was when he was 100% God and 100% man. Deity was wrapped in humanity. I mean, that's what Christmas is all, of, all about, the fact that Jesus had no earthly father. He was virgin born. And so that was a miracle that only God could do. Now, John the Baptist, you say, well, how was his, his birth a, mir a miracle? Well, it was a miracle in the fact that Zechariah and his mother Elizabeth, they were, they were older in age. And, you know, most of the time when you're, you know, past a certain age, you're not able to have children. And so Zechariah and Elizabeth were past that certain age. Look what the Bible says in Luke 1 and verse number 7 as we do kind of lay the groundwork from some introduction. It says, and they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren and they both were now well stricken in years. And so in reality, humanly speaking, Elizabeth and Zachariah should not have a child, but they were able to traditionally have a child, and so it was a miracle that they had a child. And they're not the only ones that that happened to. That happened to other ones in the Bible, Abraham and Sarah and other ones like that. But John the Baptist, he proclaimed that the Savior would come. He proclaimed the need to have one's sins washed away. And uh, he was heralding that truth, you know, just like all these road workers. They're, they're, they're doing it right out there, and they're preparing the way. Here's what John the Baptist said in John 3 and verse 30. He said, he must increase, but I must decrease. Boy, just as a side note, may that be our testimony at Woodland Baptist Church, that he must increase, but I must must decrease. When we sing a special, may that be our testimony. Hey, let me lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. When we sing in the choir, may we lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. When we teach, may we lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. When we give, let's do it unto the Lord. When we uh, attend church, may it be for his honor, for his glory. When we preach, maybe at the rest home or in the jails or in a teen church or maybe here, may it be because we want to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, maybe Maybe when we run a bus route, let, let, let's all be for numbers, but let's not get so wrapped up in numbers where we are thinking about our glory and we can come in and we can write down the fact that we had 89 on our bus. Now, I'm not believing numbers because God's all about numbers. We have a whole book written on numbers, but let's be, hey, I want to have 89 and maybe next week 95, not because of a number, but because I want more people to hear about the saving truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so John the Baptist says, he must increase, but I must decrease. I don't want to be lifted up. I want God to be lifted up. And so that's a little bit of background about John the Baptist. Now let's pick up in this story here. Matthew chapter number 14. And it says, at that time, Herod, the Tetrarch heard of the fame of Jesus and said unto his servants, this is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him for Herod had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. For John said unto him, It is not lawful for thee to have her. And when he would have put him to death, he feared the multitude 
because they counted him as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias' danced before them and pleased Herod, whereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. And she, being before instructed of her mother, said, Give me here John Baptist's head in a charger. And the king was sorry, nevertheless, for the oath's sake, and them which sat with him at meat, he commanded it to be given her, and he sent and beheaded John in the prison. And his head was brought in a charger and given to the damsel, and she brought it to her mother. And these last three verses we're going to look at. And his disciples came and took up the body and buried it and went and told Jesus when Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. Verse number 14. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. And he healed their sick. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this opportunity. Lord, to preach the word of God. Lord, I pray that you might use me as your vessel tonight, God. I pray that you might hide me behind the cross, Lord. And I pray that, Lord, that we would not be caught in the uh, analysis, the paralysis of analysis, God, where we critique the speaker, Lord. But I pray that you might use me as your messenger, God. I pray that you'd help us to apply this to our hearts, God, that as we go out today, Lord, and, and tonight, that we'd apply this, God, and that we think when times come, may we look to you and serve you better in Jesus' Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So John the Baptist, he had, you find here, he angered Herodias, who was a, a female, and he publicly condemned her marriage to Herod the Tetrarch. And this is not Herod the Great, but Herod the Tetrarch was one of the sons of Herod the Great. And so he was kind of a ruler over a smaller area. He, he was a ruler of the portion of the area that uh, his dad had ruled over, just a small little portion of it. And Herodias was previously married to her, her, uh, uh, her husband's brother, Philip. So Herodias, uh, Philip, there was a, uh, Herod, the, uh, the Tetrarch, and then his brother, Philip. Uh, and she used to be married to Philip, and now she's married to Herod the Tetrarch. And so I, we don't know all the situation. We don't know if there was some kind of adultery or something like that. Uh, it seems to me there was something wrong there. And John the Baptist, he denounced that marriage. He stood up and said, hey, the ones you're married to, you ought not to be married to. And I want to thank God that there was a man that called sin as it is. May we thank God for a preacher that declares, thus saith the Lord. I'm glad we have a preacher that does that, meaning God said it, here it is, simple and plain, like it or not, like it or lump it, here it is. We need more preachers that will stand and proclaim boldly God's truth. We don't need less preaching. We need more preaching. Not, not to, we don't need somebody just to get up and share a little something, but preaching is the engine that drives the train. We need fellowship. We need various care ministries. We need uh, a ministry to, to minister to different needs and different people. And we need teaching, and I'm all for that. We need a teen ministry, and we need a young at heart group, and we need master clubs and all this. But the main thing is the preaching of the Word of God. May we never discount preaching the heralding of God's truth. This is all introduction. I'm going somewhere with this. 2 Timothy 4 and verse number 2, it says, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. 
I'm glad that uh, there was a man back in the Bible, John the Baptist, who stood up and proclaimed God's truth. You know, we are to, de to define biblical marriage as God defines it. Society may deviate from God's original intent, but God has never and he never will change that intent. He's the, yes he's, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Society might try to, to uh, ramrod the belief that it's okay to take the life of an unborn baby, but in God's eyes, it is still murder. Life begins at conception. It might not be politically correct, but we want to stand on this book. We want to stand behind this book. It is the, 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 the govern for our life. It's the, 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 the train that builds our engine and goes with us and guides us and leads us. And so thank God for a man of God that stood up. I could go on tonight about the moral decay in our society, but I'm going somewhere. And uh, don't, I don't want to be hateful about it. I don't want to be arrogant about it. I don't want to be antagonistic. But if the Bible says it's wrong, it's wrong. If the Bible says it's right, it's right. I know I said this before. I used it probably months ago, but it bears repeating. It reminds me of the preacher who one time they were having a church service, and that preacher was just getting with it and, and, and just preaching the Bible and every precept. And, and so, he, you know, in some churches, the, the pastor will stand out in the lobby and greet folks and talk and all that. And so this, this particular pastor did that, and he went back there. And on his way out, one of the members stopped and said, Preacher, boy, you really stepped on our toes today. And here's what the preacher replied. He said, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to step on your toes. I meant to step on your heart. And that's what preaching is supposed to do. Preaching's not meant for our head. Preaching's not meant for our feelings. Preaching's not meant to, to hurt your feelings. Preaching's meant to help the heart and to encourage you to walk with God and live for God. So we see John the Baptist as his public condemnation of Herodias's marriage. Then look at verse number six. We see where Herodias's daughter danced before Herod. Verse six, it says that it pleased Herod. And so Herod promised to this daughter and said, hey, whatever you want, I'll give it. Look at verse number seven of Matthew 14. He says, whereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. And then we see in verse number eight where Herodias had instructed uh, his, her daughter and said, hey, I want John the Baptist's head. Side note, don't ever make a lady mad. Don't do that. But this lady remembered that. And, uh, the, but the king was sad, but because of his word, he had John the Baptist grabbed out of prison and had him beheaded. You know, and that was all because he kept his word word. Man, I encourage you as a side note, boy, let's be people of our word. It's a shame that a wicked king like that, a wicked ruler, kept his word so much and killed the man of God and put his head on a platter and brought it to Herodias's daughter. And in turn, that daughter brought that head on a charger right back to her mother, all because of his word. And now we come to the actual message tonight. And I want to entitle the message, What to Do when hard times hit. What do you do when hard times hit? You know, I got a news flash for you tonight. Hard times will come to each and every one of us. Maybe you're in the middle of a hard time tonight, right now, but hard times are going to come to the rich. Hard times are going to come to the poor. Hard times are going to come to the saved. Hard times are going to come to the lost. Look what Job 5 and verse number 7 says, Yet man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly 
upward. Just as, as sure as sparks fly upward, Job says, hey, man is born into trouble. Aren't you glad you came to church tonight to hear that you're, you're going to have trouble and tribulation? But sometimes we bring it upon Ourself. Let's be honest. Sometimes we bring trouble upon ourselves. We go out and we sin against the holy God and it brings trouble into our lives. Sometimes it just comes our way. Maybe tonight you're here and maybe you've lost your job. Nothing out of your will, but it just happened. Maybe tonight you're, you're an empty nest family, or maybe tonight your spouse recently wronged you, or maybe your children disappointed you, or maybe your, your spouse recently left you, or maybe recently you got a phone call from a doctor saying that, that you have the dreaded C word, or maybe you got a phone call from a relative saying that someone in the family has passed. I'm here to say trials and hard times will come. Maybe you had a first Christmas this year. And that loved one is no longer there. I can think of several in our church that that loved one is not there. Maybe a mom or maybe a dad or maybe a spouse or maybe a child. And you've had to say goodbye to them over this year. Hard times come or maybe just holidays in general. And they're just a hard time for you because you miss the loved one that passed away a year ago or two years, three, four, ten, whatever. But hard times come. Maybe there's been some kind of health reversal in your life and you didn't see it coming. Maybe you're here watching tonight online and, and you're shut in. I mean, you're, you, you just can't get out like you used to. You can't attend church like you used to. At one time you were faithful, but you just aren't able to anymore. Maybe you were here Wednesday night and you had the unfortunate opportunity to turn in a picture and see your loved one up on the screens because they had passed. I'm here to say hard times come. Maybe you're here and you're here tonight and maybe over the Christmas time you had a little bit more time. And because of that, maybe you had a little more time to have a personal failure and you sinned and, and you, you're, maybe your spouse doesn't know it. Maybe, maybe your family doesn't know it, but you know God knows that maybe you had a personal failure and maybe that hard time, it's, it's discouraging you. What do you do when hard times come? Look at verse number 13. It says, when Jesus heard of it, what's the it? The it is John the Baptist's beheading. Look at verse number 12. It says, And his disciples came and took up the body and buried it and went and told. Who did they tell? Jesus. Then when Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. So as we look at the life of Christ, we can see three basic things right here in the scripture, what Jesus Christ did during the hard time, during a hard time. It was one of many hard times for our Savior. If you fast forward just a little bit and think about the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior was spat upon. He was mocked. He was pierced. He was beaten. He was cursed. He was betrayed. He was whipped. He had to carry the cross and eventually die on that cross for the sins of the world. He was crucified. He sweat drops of blood. He so much so that he was in, in, in deep agony. He was denied. He was ridiculed. He was questioned. He was fatigued. And so here we see, how did Jesus handle a hard time? How do we hear, how, how did he handle when he heard the news that his, maybe his very own cousin had been beheaded? And his head was put on a charger. What did Jesus do? How did he handle it? Aren't you glad that we serve a God that knows what you and I are going through tonight? 
The Bible says in Hebrews 4 and verse number 15, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Now, if you read that, you might blow past it and think, well, he can't be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Not to get into English and all that, but it, there's a double negative there. And because of that, it cancels it out. So really, without doing any injustice to the scriptures, we can read it as, for we have a high priest which can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He knows exactly what you and I are going through tonight, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. I'm glad God knows where I'm at. He knows my address. He knows your address. You say, Brother Mark, I've had a tough Christmas. I've had a, a tough Thanksgiving. He knows your condition. He cares for you. Bible says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. So what do you do when hard times hit? Quickly, I want to give you three things tonight. What did Jesus do when hard times hit? I want to preface this by saying I'm not here. To, I don't want to minimalize. I don't want to, to downgrade anyone's issues because we've all got problems. We've all got things we're going through. But we as Bible-believing Christians, we have in the Word of God an example that we can follow. Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ has set an example for us? The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter number 2 that he's left us an example that we can follow in his steps. Numerous times in the gospel, we see where Jesus slipped away from the crowds to be alone. He didn't just slip away to be alone, but he slipped alone to meet with his heavenly father. He slipped away. We see it where he spent 40 days in the wilderness. He wasn't just wandering in the wilderness. What was he doing? The Bible says he was praying in the wilderness. Then we see where before he chose the 12 disciples, what did he do? He spent the night alone doing what? In prayer. Aren't you glad that our, 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 our Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ himself, met with his father? Shortly before he was arrested, what did he do? He went to the Mount of Olives and he prayed. He was meeting with his father. Number one, I want to say, what do we do when hard times come? It says he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. Number one, he met with the creator. He got alone with his heavenly father. He met with God himself. I get the story. Jesus hears of his cousin being beheaded. No doubt he was saddened to hear of this. He, he slips away to spend time with his father. I want to encourage each and every one of you tonight. Encourage myself. What do you do when hard times come? You meet with the creator. You get alone with God himself. You say, Brother Mark, that sounds so basic. Well, let me ask you, how many of you have done it? How many of you faithfully met with God this week? You say, well, it's been so busy. I've had the Christmas season. We can't be too busy to not meet with God. We've got to get with him. As we, as we close out 2021 and when hard times hit, and they will determine, hey, I'm going to get alone with God. I'm going to meet daily with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm going to meet with my heavenly creator. I'm going to meet with my heavenly father. I'm not talking about being a hermit. I'm not talking about never being around people, but I, I determine that we are going to meet with the creator. I'm going to meet with Christ Christian, it is so important to spend time with God in the Bible, in the Word of God. I told our college and career class a while ago that what our Bible reading is, is God speaking to us. You say, well, what is prayer? Prayer is us 
speaking to God. We need that two-way communication. We can't just depend on Bible reading. We can't just depend on prayer. We need both. God speaking to us through the Word of God, but then us speaking to God and making our petitions known. Let's meet with the Creator. We encourage church attendance. We encourage preaching. We encourage uh, serving the Savior. But none of that is a replacement for meeting with God Himself in a daily fashion. We must get alone with God. You say, Brother Mark, I don't know how I'm going to make it this next week. I don't know how I'm going to make it in 2022. You know how you can do it? Meet with the Creator. Tomorrow when you wake up, Tomorrow when you're on your break, tomorrow when you get home, meet with the creator of the universe. Talk with him. What do you do when hard times hit? Number one, meet with the creator. And then number two, what do you do when you're hit with hard times? Look at verse number 14. Verse number 14 says, And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion. So we find here the Lord Jesus Christ. He slips away. He meets with his heavenly father. And then the people had heard where he was. And you know how the crowds were. They wanted to go where Jesus was. Some of them just out of curiosity. Some of them truly wanted to be around this Christ, this, this, this Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. But when the crowd came to him, some of the disciples, and bless their heart, they tried to protect the Lord Jesus. They said, Lord Jesus, here comes the crowd. And Jesus said, whoa, it's okay. It'll be fine. And he says here, verse number 14 and Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them I don't know about you but when I'm going through a problem or going through an issue I'll just be honest I'll be 100% transparent I can become very inward focused anybody like that here tonight we, all, we go through something, what do we do? We, we think, you know, the whole world's against us. We, we think no one cares, and, and we're all human, and we just think, woe is me. And I'm, I'm guilty of that. But as we move through this life and face challenges and face hardships, may we remember almost everyone else is hurting out there. Commonly, I'll say on the radio broadcast, be kind to everyone because everyone is having a hard time. The Lord Jesus Christ was moved with compassion. He had just gotten word that his cousin was killed and beheaded and that head was put on a, pl put on a platter and given to uh, Herodias's uh, daughter there and, and then back to her. But what does he do? Number one, he meets with the creator. He goes out into a solitary place and the, the crowd finds him and he goes to him. He doesn't get impatient. He doesn't reject them. He doesn't say, I don't have time. But what does the Bible say? He says he was moved with compassion. Look at Philippians 2 and verse number 4. It says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. When hard times come, let me I encourage you, meet with the Creator. Meet with God. But then number two, be moved with compassion. Years ago, I knew of a bus captain, and uh, he was a faithful, faithful man. And there was a certain pastor in another state who was working with this particular bus captain, and he knew of an issue going on. He knew that this particular marriage was kind of on the rocks, and they were having hard times, and the pastor met with the, the husband and the wife and tried to help them through that. And so that had kind of been going on, but this bus worker was just faithful to serve God, and he would get up early and, and go to the bus and drive the bus each Sunday morning and bring the 
kids to church and then take them home. And it was a long Sunday. Well, so one particular Sunday morning, this bus captain arrived just like he did every Sunday morning. He was there and was going to drive the bus. And this particular pastor, uh, his, his habit was to meet the bus workers there. And so this pastor saw the bus worker and said, hey, brother so-and-so, how's things going? And the, the fellow replied back. He said, well, not so good, pastor. And the pastor said, well, what's going on? He said, well, my wife just left me last night. And the pastor's jaw just dropped and sunk. And he said, boy, and he's thinking to himself, boy, the devil got another one. And he said, can I ask you a question? How'd you, how'd you make it here this morning? What are you doing here? And that man, having his wife just left him the night before, he looked back at the pastor and he said, those bus kids need me. Those bus children need to know about a Savior. And what I want to say tonight is, no matter what you're going through, hey, keep on serving others. Keep on having compassion. You say, well, you don't know the, the trial that I'm going through. It'll do you good to just keep on serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Just because you're going through a trial and a, and a, a tribulation and a problem, hey, now's not the time to throw in the towel. Just keep on serving the King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm not trying to minimize your problem, but let's meet with the Creator Let's be moved with compassion and say, yes, I have a problem. I, 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 yes, I'm going through an issue. I think of our dear pastor and how he pastors this church, and there's no telling how many different issues he knows that's going on. And, and, and you know, he, he told me one time, one thing about pastoring is, is you, you pastor people, and you know a lot, and he knows a lot. And, 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 but you know what? He gets up, and he doesn't, he doesn't grumble. He doesn't complain. He just keeps shelling away and preaching the Word of God. Man, I encourage you, teacher. Maybe you have a problem, an issue. Maybe someone's passed away. Maybe a loved one. Maybe a financial situation. Maybe a health issue. Just keep plugging away. Now's not the time to quit. We're too near the shore. We're too near to that trumpet sounding to throw in the towel. Let's keep on going. Don't quit. Don't quit when hard times hit. Just keep on going. Meet with God. Meet with the Creator. Be moved with compassion. There's just something about ministering to others that just helps your perspective. Maybe this week, make some cookies for someone. Maybe make a phone call. Maybe write a letter. Jesus was moved with compassion. He cared about folks. The hurt didn't disappear. Just because he was moved with compassion, that didn't take away the fact that John the Baptist was dead. I mean, his head was on a charger. He was dead. It didn't take away the problem. The, the sadness suddenly didn't go away. But he was not inward focused. He was outward focused. Let's meet with the Creator. Let's be moved with compassion. And then in closing, what do you do when hard times hit? Turn over to Luke chapter 9, if you would. This is the, the parallel passage that I was telling you about. That in, When you read it chronologically, you can see the different uh, vantage points. In Luke chapter 9, and verse number 9 through 11, this is the very same story. Luke chapter 9, and verse number 9, we, say, we see where the Bible says, And Herod said, John have I beheaded, but who is this of whom I hear such things? And he desired... To see him, so Herod's hearing about this man, and he's saying, "This is not this is not uh, John the Baptist reincarnated. I know that because I just put him in prison, and we just beheaded him. But who is this?" So he's wondering. He's saying, "Who is this Jesus?" And then in verse number ten, he says, "And the apostles, when they were returned, told Jesus, meaning him, told him all that they had done, and he took them and went aside privately in 
to a desert place. So there's Jesus meeting with his heavenly father, belonging to the city called Bethsaida. And the people, when they knew it, followed him and he received them. And then here's the third point. And spake unto them of the kingdom of God. What do you do when hard times hit? Well, let's look at the Lord Jesus Christ. He met with the Creator. He was moved with compassion. And then he spake of the kingdom of God. And to keep it alliterated, he mentioned the ceaseless world. He mentioned the ceaseless world. You say, well, what's the ceaseless world? That's the, the, the place where there's no more dying there. The world that won't end. We sing that song, never grow old, never grow old in a land where we'll never grow old. You know what? Jesus could have easily taken the easy road. He could have not approached the kingdom of God. He could have easily not mentioned the kingdom of God. He could have easily just had a little social event and talked to people. But sometimes we can think in our own heart that this soul winning thing doesn't work. Sometimes we, th we think that telling others about salvation is just a thing of the past. Sometimes maybe after you've been serving the Lord for a while maybe you're working your bus route for a long time and you begin let's be honest you it's easy to get weary in well-doing all this door knocking stuff all this witnessing stuff all this bus running stuff all this teaching and choir singing and all the altar calls and maybe we don't see the results that we pray for and the, we work for and you know what if we're not careful we can get weary in well-doing but we need to keep on mentioning the ceaseless world. In, this, in these last days, may we be laser focused. There is a temptation to sit over in the corner and just be silent, not mention the Lord and not speak about eternity. Truth of the matter is, that's what the media would have us do. That's what the culture would have us do. They would just tell us, you know, you, you fundamentalists, just sit over in the corner. We don't want to hear from you. Just be silent. But I'm glad that Jesus, in the midst of his trials, in the midst of his hurt. He said, hey, I'm going to mention the ceaseless world. I'm going to speak about the kingdom of God. While it's perfectly okay for the woke crowd, they can be as brazen as they want. They can be as bold as they want. It's okay for them. But boy, you Christians, don't, don't, don't share your faith with anybody. That's what the media would have us believe. You know, they can go ahead and burn down buildings, the, the, the civil disruptors. They can be as bold as they want. But for some reason, us Christians, we listen to the media and we think we need to just sit over in the corner and just be quiet. No, if there's ever a time we need to share our faith, let's do it now. Let's share Christ with others. When you go back to your job tomorrow, hey, somebody starts talking about something. Maybe they had a discouraging week. Maybe the Christmas wasn't all it was cracked up to be in their mind. Hey, there's the time. There's a moment to slip out a little gospel track and share it with them. Say, can I tell you about the Lord Jesus? Has anybody ever told you that Jesus loves you and died for you to give you eternal life? He mentioned the ceaseless world. He spake of the kingdom of God. May we have spirit boldness and declare the gospel. You say, well, what is boldness? And quickly in closing, boldness is acting by the power of the Holy Spirit on an urgent conviction in the face of some threat, need, or opportunity. Let me repeat that. What is boldness? Boldness is acting by the power of the Holy Spirit on an urgent conviction. Meaning, hey, it's deep down in your heart. You have that conviction. Hey, I've got to get the good news out. In spite, in the face of some threat, we don't have a, much of a threat today, but there's a need. 
and there's an opportunity. Boy, let's be bold. Today is the day when Christians must find that Holy Spirit boldness, and we must stand. Not just stand, but we must declare the gospel. Boldness in the biblical sense, if we were to look at boldness tonight, boldness is not a personality trait. Meaning it's not you just either have it or you don't. It's are you walking with Christ? Are you asking God to give you Holy Spirit boldness? Where you say, well, that's just not my personality. Truth of the matter is a lot of us are more of a hermit. Truth of me, you wouldn't believe this, but I can be a lot of a hermit. I, I, I want to shell up sometimes. But God says we have to declare the gospel. It's not just for a preacher. It's for every church member from Miss Martha here all the way over to Brother Roy Darnell. It's for all of us to declare the gospel, to mention the ceaseless world. One person sat in a service where people were challenged to take the gospel to those around them. And, and one regular attender went unto the preacher after the service and he said, Preacher, I just want you to know this is the year 2020. Soul winning does not work. And the preacher replied, I thought it was very wise. He said, it's sure not to work every time you don't do it. It's sure not to work every time you don't do it. People don't need to hear our opinion about sports. They don't need to hear our opinion about COVID-19. They don't need to hear our opinion about politics. They don't need to hear our opinion about the weather. They need to hear about the kingdom of God. They need to hear the gospel. They need to hear about heaven. They need to hear about a real place called hell. Let me ask you tonight, who will you tell about the Savior? Look at 2 Timothy 1 and verse 12, and we'll close in just a minute. It's Paul speaking to Timothy, his, his mentor in the faith. And Paul was mentoring Timothy, this young preacher. And he says, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Paul says, hey, I, I've gone through a lot. I've suffered these things. And that can be a whole Bible study on all the things he went through. But here's what Paul says. He says, nevertheless, I am not ashamed. How many of us? We clam up. We become ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, let's have boldness. May we not be ashamed. God wants to use you this week during your lunch break. God wants to use you at the grocery stores. Look for opportunities. What do you do when hard times hit? Very practically, meet with the Creator. Determine, hey, I, I, no matter what comes my way, I am going to meet with the Creator Number two, be moved with compassion. And then lastly, number three, mention the ceaseless world. There's a world to come. We all have a soul. We're all going to spend eternity in one place. And everyone in the world is going to spend eternity in heaven or hell. May we mention the ceaseless world. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed.